0: Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorce mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. How do you deal with lump sums in property settlement? Is it really fair if you get an inheritance from a passed-on parent or family member and then half of it ends up having to go to your ex in a property settlement? Well, today we are going to be talking about all sorts of lump sums that can happen in property settlement from inheritance to personal injuries claims, redundancy payments, long service leave and bonuses and how the court looks at it and how you should try and deal with it if you're going to mediation or trying to just settle your property with your ex. Welcome mum. Hello Laura, that's a lot to get through. Hello everyone. (laughs) And and look, we the reason we're doing this episode is because we've realised there is a lot of people out there who have been asking these questions of late, haven't they? Yes. Whether they're, you know, as we get older, our parents pass away at some point. Mum, you're not going to be doing that anytime soon. (laughs) 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 But you get your, uh, like an inheritance and Imagine the feeling you would get of having to then give half of it to your ex or a personal injuries claim. Maybe someone slipped over and broken a hip, or, you know, so there's a lot of things that can happen in that, in that stage of just before divorce or during yeah. divorce. So today we really want to go into that to, to alleviate anybody's worries about what, what we should do. And mum, I, I know you've done some research today and (laughs) looked up some cases. So we're going to be talking about cases as well, but you don't have to be going to court to listen to this episode. It can give you a good indication, can't it mum, of what for, is to be expected. For settling,
1: yes. And I guess the first issue um I'd probably take with what you said, Laura, was that it's not always half. It was funny. I did the research just to see if there's any recent cases on these things and I came up with 1985, 1991, and the most recent case I think is about 2013. So oh. the law is pretty settled um, okay. about lump sums, but because people come into a divorce and they've never thought about it before, it's a new thing for them and they yes. want to know how it's treated. So, well, yeah.
0: we're not reading the news when a new case comes out that draws some new law on inheritance. Yes, no, nothing is no coming. Yes. No one yes. pays attention to that sort of stuff. No. So that's why if you if you're in that boat, you're here today, listen and mum's brains and her knowledge will hopefully give you some comfort. So mum, let's just go through them one at a time maybe and let's okay. start with inheritances. Yeah. And you said there's three different phases of the way they deal with them. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah. At all?
1: yeah. So I think that was the best way to explain them. So the, the court treats inheritances differently depending on if they've been received uh, early in the marriage uh, late in the marriage or after the marriage. When I say marriage, I mean de facto relationship as well. So, you know, uh, so during, after and late in the marriage. So it's two times in the relationship. If it was received before you guys got together, then that's a contribution on your behalf. That, that's quite clearly decided. But mm. it does get tricky. If you get, say, $200,000 a year into a 15-year marriage, then you can't expect to come out the other end with your intact or creamed off the top. Sometimes people do reach arrangements like that, but they have to put them in a financial agreement because that's not how the court looks at it. So,
0: what you're saying is if you get the inheritance and you get it while you're married and you beat, then you are continually being married for a long time. Yes. Really, it's really hard to kind of tease that out and make that, that money that I got twenty
1: years ago is mine. Absolutely. So what the court does is treats that as a contribution on your behalf, mm-hmm. but it may not be to that full extent. It might be in percentages. They might give you an extra five, ten percent, depending on what proportion of the property pool the settlement was. So if all you've got at the end of your twenty year marriage is four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and two hundred thousand dollars of that came from a family member as an inheritance in the beginning, then you would be regarded as having quite a big contribution and the court would, you know, you wouldn't get 200 plus half the remaining 200, but you would get, like, possibly thinking figures here, depending on other factors, maybe 70% of the property pool or something on contributions.
0: Yeah, and remembering this is just uh, education, this isn't a... Uh, legal advice because mum doesn't know anybody's situations but we're just giving you an understanding of kind of where the case law is at the time okay Mm. so mum so what happens if they're separated and they get an inheritance
1: yes but they're not Uh,
0: divorced yet
1: okay so separated getting an inheritance is the same as getting an inheritance really late in the relationship if you haven't had your property settlement and you're getting and then there's a um, an inheritance coming along. Uh, that's uh, going to be treated as usually part of the property pool. Mm-hmm. I have heard of cases where they can quarantine the inheritance and say, look, the reason we're just going to put this to one side and make it a second pool because uh, the um, the other person can't be said to have made any contribution to it, uh, usually then late in the relationship after separation or just in the you know, leading up to separation, then it's seldom that the court will find the other person made any contribution to it. So it may actually be able to be quarantined or put over as yours for the future. But then the court says, okay, you've got that up your sleeve. So the rest of the property, we need to give more to the other person because they don't have that resource available to them. So it's kind of catches catch can in a way.
0: And and another question that seems to pop up a lot mum is what if there's an inheritance coming and yeah. someone is they like their their I don't know their father is 110 years old mm. and he's a he's a millionaire and they know that he's going to be passing that money on to his mm. son what happens then? Because, I mean, it's a bit macabre, it's a bit horrible to be doing a property settlement based on something for someone who's
1: not even passed away yet. But what happens then? Well, the court is is not interested, okay? Okay, good. Um, yeah. it, it might crop up, someone might drop a throwaway line that they stand to inherit money. But as long as that 103-year-old dad um, still has the capacity to make another will, mm-hmm. um, then uh, it's not guaranteed it's not in the bag. And there have been cases where the parties have tried to get the other person's parents' wills into evidence, and the court finds that very distasteful. Uh, Mm. They really have to, because what they say is, you know, who knows, you might have a falling out with that person, and uh, that 103-year-old man might change his will. So it's just kind of there in the ether that it doesn't um, come into it as a factor in property settlement. That is uh, that person's good fortune. You know, it's where they were born in in life.
0: So if anyone's dealing with inheritances Mm -hmm. as an issue in their separation and property settlement at the moment, are there any cases that you can point them to to have a read if they want to be a a legal person?
1: Yeah. Um, I think though, can I just say, I think anyone who's got an inheritance floating around, whether it's just still in probate or whether whatever, you need to go and get independent legal advice on this and find out exactly. What applies in your case, but for interest's sake, look up Benici, a B-O-W-N-I-C-I. That's a 1991 case, and what that the court said in that case, they said that if there's enough other property to to do justice between the parties, say in our imagine in our example, for instance, you know if you've got a two hundred thousand dollar inheritance sitting over there, there's four hundred dollars worth of property to divide between you both, then your ex partner. Could get a bigger share of that four hundred thousand, and that would be adequate compensation in the eyes of the court. Uh, mm. However, what if that two hundred thousand dollar inheritance is the, all the money there is? Now we're assuming you've got it right, mm. and it doesn't matter when you got it—before, during, or after. If that is, if that's all there is, there's hardly anything else. Then, notwithstanding that, there's no contribution made by the part, other person. The court will dig into that. Inheritance and give some to the other party on the basis of future needs. So Benici is authority for that. If the can justice can be done from the other assets, have a look at paragraph forty-two. Anyone who's diligent enough to read it, um, then they'll leave it to one we'll side. We'll put the link in the show. We'll put okay. the link in the show notes. And then in two thousand and thirteen, they they agreed to quarantine it, but I think they got away with that because nobody. The other person didn't want a share of it. They all agreed to just put it to one side.
0: Well, and I think that has to be considered just because that's what the court does. Mm. If you manage to have an ex and it's amicable-ish or, you know, they mm. respected the, the your parents and if they've passed, they respect their wishes to pass that on to you. Um, you can sort that out between yourselves and have your property settlement consent orders a financial agreement whatever and not involve the court too much in that so because it does feel so unfair that if someone's ex has passed away uh, your ex's parents have passed away that you somehow end up getting some of it but I guess if
1: if that's all there is then you do need it that's different and and I mean I think that uh a lot of people have the decency not to want part of their other person's um family's money and also Mm. to I often ask my clients well what about your folks are they well off what's happening there because although it's not an offset exercise really it helps my clients understand why they might not be entitled to exactly half or whatever of of the inheritance that person is getting
0: all right well then let's get on to the next one personal injuries claims now these are I know you're not a personal injuries lawyer, Mum. You don't no. chase ambulances. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I went when I was in Las Vegas for a baby trade show, long story, but there were these billboards for lawyers that were hilarious oh about personal injuries. They must have different laws over there for lawyers and advertising, but what? it made me laugh. They look so shoddy, like little <laughs> sharks trying to get your money. I guess personal injury claims, you know, people could slip over, on a grape at McDonald's not actually not at McDonald's but a grape at Woolworths and you know get paid out big yes. dollars or yeah. so so what what happens with personal injury claims
1: well again the problem is with personal injury claims where they received early in the relationship where they received later where they received after even are they potential claims so the court has quite mm. a, a job to do if anyone asks them to deal with these so mm. first thing to know is that that they're, they're in the personal injury is a thing. You don't ignore it. It's there. Okay. Usually, uh, if it's a severe injury and there's a lot of money involved, there may be what's called, well, in Queensland, at least, a Griffiths and Perkenmeyer claim. There may be a, a claim that this that case says that the parent, the other person had to do more. The other person in the marriage had to nurse you and do other things because you were injured. And part of the property settlement component will be for that other person, so um they used they started the the courts started to look into the components of a personal injuries claim, but they don't anymore. They just say, look, it's in, and if you've got an ongoing injury and need ongoing care, uh, then that of course will be reflected in in your future needs factors in seventy five two.
0: Which we've got an episode on. You yeah. can listen to that. A future needs, or if you're a member of our, our DIY divorce blueprint, you can actually do the whole lesson and figure that out down yeah. with a little worksheet. Okay, so if you need future needs, then that some of that personal injuries claims, of course, is going to go to you. because yeah. you need it. But what as else?
1: Part of the whole thing. It's as yeah. part of the whole thing. Uh, right, so they include it. Yeah, Sometimes a person gets an injuries claim um and they uh, are able to rebuild their careers and they're working again mm. and that matters so because another component of a personal injuries claim is your economic loss going forward so say you were a tree lopper <laughs> physically working out you hurt yourself you hurt your back but then you do some study and and you're now a a, a very good computer programmer and you're making more money or the same money so so that money that would have been for your future economic loss doesn't need to come to you. It can stay in the property pool to be divided. But if as a result of your injury, you can't ever work again, you can't build up your money again, then that gives you a greater share under your future needs factors of the whole property pool. And that way, whilst the personal injuries claim doesn't sort of remain in a little capsule in the property pool and treated separately, it it, blends in with everything else. But it does kind of all come out in the wash. The court tries to do justice between the parties financially without sort of being rigid about saying, well, this was for this person. Okay.
0: Basically, what you're saying is if there is a personal injuries claim, then it is included. It's not quarantined away separately like inheritances can be. But what if they haven't
1: claimed it yet, but they can't? Yes. So that's There's a French saying called shows in action, C-H-O-S-E-S, in action, and shows means things. And I think we still use the Dolly expression in some of our documents still. But so if you've, that means you've got the right to sue, you've got potential, uh, you might have even started application personal injuries claim, but it hasn't quantified yet. Sometimes people Mm -hmm. have to wait for their injuries to settle and it can be years. It's just something that It needs to be disclosed to the other person and there's, it's just really noted as a future resource. Generally, if you've been injured, the court leaves that because it will compensate you for your injury claim. If it's, if you're still waiting, then the injury probably happened close to the end of the relationship. And, you know, it it may well be something you get, but make sure you disclose it in your material. Uh, If you don't tell the other person about it, and you later on get a lump sum, and one of the kids blabs, or a neighbour, or a friend tells them, then that's grounds for overturning your property settlement. So Ooh. put it in. So you have to be honest, always, please, and get. So and just a note there, Laura, as you said, I'm not a personal injuries lawyer, but there are timelines. I know there are absolutely brutal deadlines and timelines with personal injuries claims. So if you've, if any of our listeners have got anything that they think might be a claim. Run, don't walk, run to the phone and ring that lawyer and get a first appointment because I think some of the notifications have to be done very early on in the injury. Mm. And there's a lot of no win, no fee
0: lawyers for personal injuries, (laughs) isn't there? (laughs) So don't start. (laughs) I wish
1: wish that was a family law one. (laughs) No win, no fee. (laughs) Imagine that. I don't know if anyone, (laughs) yeah, I, I mean, I know no. that um, there was some issues about them advertising that. I think it was heading down the American route. I saw a yeah. billboard mm-hmm. in um, in uh, Florida once, and it was uh, no, where were we? Las Vegas, and it yes. had a big sign up, and it was something something Rodriguez, the original half price lawyer. <laughs>
0: That's not what you'd want to be known as. <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. Okay, so personal injuries claims, as sucky as it is, they're going to be included. Yep. We did have someone ask just recently, you know, should I delay it? But like what you're saying is definitely disclose that you can claim it or you're thinking of claiming it. And then anything that happens after property settlement, once it's finalized is yours. So that's another Mm -hmm. good reason to make sure you settle your property because some people, I know some people, which is great, they manage to sort it all out themselves. They don't involve the courts. They just go, you take this car, I'll take this and walk off together uh, separately. But what happens if someone gets Mm -hmm. hit by a truck and they end up with, you know, Mm -hmm. like a half a million dollar payout? Or I know someone recently that's got like a $3 million payout. Mm -hmm they then technically could go back and ask for some of it.
1: Absolutely. So that's, if you remember, I talked about the case of Farmer and Bramley. You probably don't mm. because they're the same names over and over again. But in Farmer <laughs> and Bramley, uh, they there was a relationship there. Um, we can put the links in here. Uh, a yeah. very, it was a long marriage, four kids. They had nothing. Like um, I think their the father had some drug problems and, you know, the woman was left with the kids and, and nothing. And then as luck would have it, I think uh, 18 months later maybe, after they mm. split up and they decided it was, wasn't was worth putting it down in documents because it was just kitchen furniture and a couple of beds, uh, he won $5 million on the pool. Oh, dear. And, yeah. uh, and he originally tried to say it was his mother's, and but it was his. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got more punished because of that. Uh, her lawyer... Went to court and said, even though he got that completely after separation, um, you can't ignore the contributions my clients made uh, with the children and and putting up with him and <laughs> long <laughs> years together. And and uh, the court gave her, I think it was seven hundred and ninety five thousand out of it. Oh, and because the court says it doesn't have to have occurred. The contributions don't have to have occurred at the same time as the receiving the income or the other way around. Um, so that tells you if you do if you do, just say, look, don't touch our supers, we'll keep our car, um, and walk into the sunset without getting something finalised with a stamp or a proper agreement, uh, then these things are, are open to, Imagine, to try.
0: So basically what you're saying is you're saying be careful, you might win the lotto or you might end up hurting yourself and getting a big payout. So that sounds like two things that, one thing you would want to happen and one thing you wouldn't want to happen, but both of them, you don't want to happen Mm. until you've got your property sorted. Mm. Okay, let's go on to the next big one, Mum. Mm. Redundancy
1: payments. They're tricky, aren't they? Any bonuses and redundancies and things. So what the court does um, says about a redundancy in the cases is this. A redundancy payment is to Tied you over till you get another job or retrain or whatever you need to do, okay? If, in fact, uh, you walk straight into a different job, then that's a bonus, isn't it, that money? And that uh, then is a contribution on your behalf, but it's still a contribution to the family, nevertheless. If, on the other hand, you get a bonus uh, or get a, re- a redundancy, and say it's after you've separated, and you say, well, I'm going to use that time to go to uni, to regroup, to get over my grief of losing my job, and you don't work um, for a certain period of time and use your redundancy to live on, then that is not counted as property. So redundancy pays, and we'll talk about long service and things like that. It all depends what you do with them, whether they're counted as money or not. But if they're just sitting in a bank, then they're in the property pool and they they get divided. If it's if you've um, put it into the house and put a, a pool in or a, an extension on, then it counts as part of the of the house. And the fact that your redundancy came in is not really a a, a contribution by you because you. Normally, you would say that redundancy came about as a result of the work you did, which you did during the relationship, so the money that came in as a redundancy is also something from the relationship, so you both really contributed to it unless it's well after separation and you didn't have the job <laughs> to start with when you separated. <laughs> all
0: right, so redundancy payments, long service leave bonuses they are kind of all included in that thing, or a bonus is different. yeah
1: bonuses are different. Yeah. So long service leave is a bit like a redundancy. If you say, I've got 13 weeks long service leave and I'm going around Australia with that money, uh, then the court will not count that as a a lump sum. It's your living expenses. You're entitled to your long service. Bonuses on the other hand. Mm. Bonuses. So a lot of people get bonuses um, in their jobs. Hang on.
0: Can I just ask one question about long service leave? Mm. So. If you choose to use your long service leave to go on a holiday, yes, and have a break, yes. What if you choose to use it to buy a house or?
1: Well, that's in the pool
0: and go straight into another job. Yeah. Oh, then it goes into the pool.
1: Yeah. Okay. Or even if you use it to buy a house and live on potatoes, or go to your mum's for the thirteen weeks or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it depends what you do with it. That's what I'm saying. It depends right. What you do okay. with it with redundancy okay. and long service. Right. Mm. Okay. All right. So, what about bonuses? Bonuses. As I said, a little bit of a fraught area. So, people sometimes get bonuses based on performance or based on the company's performances. That's a contribution by you. Okay. And if you spend it though, um, it's a contribution by you to the property pool, if it's during Mm. the relationship. And if you spend it, then that's a premature distribution of assets because bonuses come in in lump sums. And it's not to allow you to go on holidays and it's not to allow you to have a a break or to find another job. It's just a bonus. It's just additional income that comes in in a lump sum. Okay. Mm.
0: So if your ex gets a bonus and you haven't property settled yet, then that bonus goes in the property pool. That's right. Yep. Right. And And there's nothing you can really do with the bonus that's going to be like like with long service leave, go on your holiday or no. personal injury claim, use it for medical
1: expenses in future. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. But it's really so, um, just wages. It's just deferred wages.
0: I know we've kind of talked about early, late, and after yeah. all of those phases. What if what if you get a personal injuries claim or an inheritance or a redundancy before you get married, before you end up in a de facto
1: relationship? Okay. So well that is that'll be money. And it mm-hmm. will be your contribution to the relationship, no, no matter where it came from. Okay. So, yeah, you okay. just would prove that with bank statements and things. So that's what I had at the beginning, it was from yes. when I injured my leg or whatever, yeah.
0: And you can listen to our before property settlement episode where we talk about all the things that, that they look at in the yes. before. We talk about before, during, and after, and future Cohabitation,
1: Yep. Yeah. Cohabitation. Before.
0: Oh, that's right. That's that word. Gosh, that's a young word. Living together, yes. Ooh, let's go ha- cohabitate together. Thank so, Mum, my next question for you is, mm. have you seen anybody use any tricks or try and outwit, outplay, court with with these inheritances, personal injury claims, redundancies, long service,
1: lease or bonuses? Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the common one is the inheritance, they uh, people like to stall on that inheritance and say, "Oh, it's you know, nothing settled yet. I don't know how much it'll be." Um, but then you find that they're actually telling the the person who's doing the uh, like the executor of the will to go slow, go slow, go slow. That won't help them because mm. you can have a wild guess at what it's going to be. You can subpoena the executor and ask how much money there is and put that in as a potential. In, income from you. As for bonuses, yes, I've seen um, people on the other side ask for their bonuses to be deferred and not paid until after separation. I know one man who got, yeah, $50,000. It wasn't my case. Um, he'd just been holding it, just hadn't issued bills from the business. In Weir's case, uh, which I talk about, that's the Quarry case, there was like $134,000 worth of gravel missing but no receipts, no bills for it, no nothing. Either that person had set up a spare one, like a, you know, another account hidden it, or he'd said to all his mates, which I think is what happened, don't pay me yet. I'll issue you a bill after this is over. Personal injuries claims. Yes. Again, there can be go slows. Same with claiming pensions, military pensions. I don't want to claim this until after my. Family law matters over.
0: So, have you found that if it does end up in court and these kind of tricks get exposed, that what might have happened is more extreme? Is it in a form of a punishment to the people that have yeah. done the wrong thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the the court full court said that the, that the court should not be unduly bothered about unduly bothered about punishing a person who has tried a sneaky trick and and made. You know, hasn't made proper disclosure. So, okay. um, the court, remembering the court always has a range, there's no like one right answer, there's a high and a low range. And I'm mm. sure that conduct of the parties or how they appear in the witness box can help make the judge lean more one way or another. And that was mm. what the full court said in Weir's case that we should not be unduly troubled <laughs> by, yeah. um, you know, allocating extra to that person or to the person who's had the wrong thing done by them.
0: Have you seen cases where they've had property settlement and then someone's been able to bring them back later because they've
1: found that they've hidden it? Um In my own personal career, I've seen one where they tried, and but it turned out it had been disclosed. It was in the document. I did have one case once where the person, they came out of court and he put up a picture of a big sailing boat on his Facebook and said, look at my new boat. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But a few urgent emails and a couple of threats later, it turned out he'd just done it to annoy her. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) um but yeah wow. I mean I'm sure people do I'm sure people do in my career I've seen um, money being sent overseas into betting shops online betting shops or mm. off to rallies overseas people just can show their quite sneaky side
0: what's the best advice a uh, general education you can give to someone who's listening who's worried that that might be what their ex mm. is going to do how do you how do you make sure that it's fair and that the at the other side is doing what's fair
1: you can't, you can't be sure. What you can do though is you'll notice when you do an application for consent orders, you are you put in your information and you only swear to the truth of your side. The other side has their information unless we've got an avoided person in which case you've probably filled it in for them. Uh, but they sign to say it's that's a true reflection of their situation. And that way you've got them on oath saying this is all I've got. If subsequently something turns up, you can go back to the court and overturn those orders on the basis of non-disclosure or fraud. So that's why uh, they have to sign things um, when they put their applications in. That's why they have to swear to, if if you're in a court, you have to swear that you've given full disclosure and an undertaking about that as well. So, yeah, that's your protection.
0: Okay. And I guess...
1: Uh, Sorry, otherwise we'd never finish sometimes because you've got some dodgy people on the other side. So you kind of do the best you can and then keep your eyes open in case there's something else revealed.
0: And if you want to know how to do consent orders, we talk you through step by step in our course. We'd walk you through how to fill in the form, how to do it all. So you can check out the DIY okay Divorce Blueprint. Audience. We're not open at the moment, but we will probably open again in the future. So you can go on our waitlist and email us at the divorcecoursepodcast at gmail.com to go on that waitlist or sh- send us an email to say day. either. Um, so, Mum, my next question to you is so that's what the court thinks, hmm. and that's the court's attitude. Hmm. A lot of our people, and we know this, a lot of people don't end up at a trial; they end up at mediation yeah. or negotiating with legal letters. So, if if our listeners today go to me, are going to mediation or they're negotiating in letters and writing, can they use this knowledge and information in their mediations?
1: Mm, yes, and if and if you have to take the cases along, you know, print them out or have them on your phone, but yes, of course, because everything uh, that we talk about that the courts say and do uh, that becomes your guiding light at mediation because you're you're comparing what you can get at mediation with what the court is likely to do you know and and it might be that you are wanting something that can't be achieved that, that the court can't give you that this person, you know, if they've got rich rallies and so forth, it might be useful for you to know that the court's not going to fix you up for that. Or if you can, if you can't track all the dollars that they took during the marriage, the court might not take that as well. So. Everything in the course can be used in mediation. Everything in these podcasts can be used to help you in mediation, helping you to settle as well Mm -hmm. as helping, I guess, I guess it helps you to settle knowing that there's recourse later on if there's non-disclosure or they're hiding something.
0: Mm. And then my next question, I guess, to you, mum, is do you come across some people, and I, and I know we've talked about this a lot in property settlement, mm. particularly with their super, oh, I'm not going to touch their super, that's like 101 classic. But then there's also the, I'm not going to touch the inheritance, I'm not going to touch their personal injuries claim, I'm not going to touch this, I'm not going to touch mm. that. To their detriment, though, where... You know they're trying to be honourable and they want to be look like like that they're the good person they're doing the right thing. But what do you say to those people when that's the majority of the property pool and if they don't touch it they
1: they're in trouble. Yes, I I say to them that. In spite of um, the long time since the Family Law Act was written, I still think the way that they deal with property settlement is a fair way. So when I have people who say, and they're trying, they're being good, I, I promised him I wouldn't touch his mother's inheritance, wouldn't touch this. I say, well, let's just do the sums the way the court would do it, because that's our benchmark to look across. And then let's look at what you're proposing and it might be that the difference is so great and it's for the children as well that they can't honour that promise or it might be that an unscrupulous person on the other side has got those agreements out of you, you know, promise you, oh, you'll just take me for all I've got and you go, no, I wouldn't do that, I won't touch it. And then when, having done that, then they proceed to sort of screw you down on the rest of the property. So you really need to put it all in so you can understand what you're giving away, what you're giving back, and what it represents. So when I do the sums, um, often the, the total outcome, like I said, because of future needs and contributions balances, is actually the same as giving them all their super or giving them all the inheritance. It's just what you call it. But I always run it through the court system first and have a look. At that.
0: And I've heard some wonderful, you've said it in, I think in the course and maybe in the podcast as well, some phrasing. So you go, okay, we won't touch your inheritance. Say it was a hundred thousand, mm. but the property pool's 500,000, yep. but you know, we'll touch all of this instead. So you just find a way to technically not touch it, yep. but you are touching the property pool, but you're just yep. not right. holding that in. Is that,
1: can yeah. you talk us you through can that, that again? So you can say, I'm not touching your super. Um, however, that means you've got greater financial resources going forward. So I need a bigger share of the rest of this property to compensate mm. me for you having that super or you having that big inheritance. I need a greater share. And so instead of, you know, like like I said, where it's a 10% range, instead of going to the low ball, you might be wanting to go to the high ball because that's a financial resource to them. Yeah. Mm. So we, we manage it that way. And, and it doesn't matter what you think, what we call it, my clients and I or our listeners call it. And it doesn't matter what the other person calls. If they feel like, and it it is a very personal thing, and inheritances, they feel some sort of sacred obligation. But So you say, well, sure, take that, but then my client's going to need 75% of the property pool because she doesn't have that resource or something like that, and they seem to be able to live with that. But we do some nice options depending on personality types. But imagine going through a marriage breakup and your mum's... Or dad's death as well. Mm, um, mm. That they, they become people become very emotional, and and you have to factor that in and yeah. try to make it easier for them to do the right thing by you. Yeah. Mm. And
0: is there anything? Is there anything your parents can do to write in their wills to stop it from? being divvied up is there any no. way and i'll put you completely on the, the line no, there but no, no? no there's nothing you can put in a will to stop it from going to
1: their ex no and no because uh, you'd have to say that at the minute they've the person's passed away it is property no matter what it says in the will if it comes to you it's property if they mm. have a clause this happened in in some old english wills that <laughs> they would leave money to their daughter provided she didn't marry this person, right, oh, and, and she'd run off and marry that person, um, but the will was overturned as being against public policy or they'd, they'd leave it to uh, their son as long as he divorced that witch that he's been married to for the last 15 years. <gasps> Again, those clauses chucked out because they're against public policy. <laughs> so, no, you can't say, you can't sort of reach out from the grave and direct Things okay.
0: Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a good movie
1: idea. It would be okay, but don't forget there's kids a lot in these things. Okay, so don't forget what, there's kids and and that the will the children will inherit from each of their parents ultimately anyway. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know it's, it's a fair bet that if your ex partner wants to so somehow quarantine his inheritance, say say it happened after you separated and you would there's no way you've made any contribution to it um, to mm-hmm. that. Money. in fact you hated his mum you know that sort of thing uh, then it will go through to the kids in due course to his children
0: I yeah. see what you're saying so eventually like, once he passes on once your yeah. ex passes it goes to your children anyway yes
1: that's right and sometimes that helps people feel better about perhaps not getting about um, what might seem to be the injustice of another person having a lot more than they have at the end of the marriage sometimes yeah. Laura Uh, a death triggers the separation. So I come across this more often than you would think.
0: That does does that going through a divorce alone is bad enough, let alone Mm -hmm. going through a divorce and death, like you've said already, I guess that would be so hard. Is there there anything that people should be looking out for? Or when, when it comes to disclosure, how do you disclose these things? Like, how do you say, by the way, I might have a personal injuries claim in the future. How do you put that on a piece of paper? Like How do you that, disclose it like
1: that? And, and really, the, yeah. And if you are filling in one of your mediation sheets or the um, the documents, of the court, there is always a little box for anything else. Any and they list the types of things they're looking at, and you can say, mm. "Oh yes, you know," or "I've signed a contract to sell the business, and I'm going to get this much for it over the next twenty years." Or it's just a narrative; it's not a number.
0: Okay, so I think. One of the biggest things I've noticed in what we've discussed about today mm-hmm. is everybody's situation is different because it all comes down to what you contributed before the marriage, what you contributed during, what you, what happened after, then all of these extra lump summy things, when they were whether they were early, late or after, then add on top of that what your future needs might be. Mm-hmm. And you can do something. Forgot
1: your non-financial contributions during the relationship and your contribution as a parent and homemaker as well. Yes,
0: so all of that in together, and we've got lots of episodes on those, so definitely go listen to them. I'll put them in the show notes, and we talk you through in the course how to nut that number out Mm. to get to a percentage. But that's basically it's a really good idea to go and see a lawyer. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> go and see a
1: lawyer. Um, I notice in our weekly Q&A sessions, there's some of those sorts of questions pop up all the time. Do you notice? Just for anyone who's listening, we do a, a weekly Q&A for members who've, who've bought our course. Yeah. And that I wish sort of everyone can ask questions online and I we try to answer them. <laughs> I yeah. try to answer them for general education only, but it gives us an idea of Uh, Laura probably for the first time, but it shows me that the same issues are happening as always have, except for the rise, I guess, in separated under one roof, which used to be so Mm. rare. And now, unfortunately... Mm. It's like
0: half the people, mm. half the people are separated under one roof. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to make for some. We probably, probably should do some more episodes on that. Um, definitely in the future. So if you're listening today and you think it's totally unfair about this inheritance situation, look, mm. I, I totally feel you. I think uh, Dick having to give something away that belonged to a loving parent, mm. especially if they didn't like them, but you know, I think like Mum said, the family law. Uh, Act has been around for a while, Mm -hmm. not as long as mum, but it's been around (laughs) for a while. And and they've, (laughs) they've looked at what's fair and it's all about Setting up everybody on the right path to their new future, and not leaving anybody fully in the lurch. Basically, it's making sure everyone's going to be able to be financially stable for the next couple of years at yep. least.
1: Is that right? That's right. And you have uh, the court. Did you, by the way, did you say I've been around longer than the Family Law Act, or the family? No, I said,
0: <laughs> I said you have been long, long. You've been around longer than the Family Law Act.
1: No, on. the family. Well, I yes, I have, I guess, but I haven't been practicing <laughs> law since then. No,
0: <laughs> so I meant. Your age, <laughs> I know. The, you said the Family Law Act only came in in Seventy five. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, and I think the lesson yeah. of the story is be honest. Yeah, be honest, and deal with the emotional deal side of having to. But in the end, it is money. In, in the end, it
1: is it's just, just money. money. And and any sometimes any outcome's better than no outcome. Uh, that mm. is, if you are absolutely at loggerheads and all of the stuff we're telling you can't help you get over the line for an agreement, uh, then you are going to have to go in and get somebody you don't know to be a circuit breaker. And as someone wise once said, we need law. We need good laws so that you can try your cases in the court. Otherwise, we're back to hitting each other (laughs) and (laughs) fighting over things like like. And that's, that's countries as well. But, you know, like law underpins civilization. If you don't have a good rule of law, which is basically just someone who can adjudicate and finish a matter once and for all, uh, then you, you're really resorting to other, other behaviors. On a yes. global scale, not on an individual scale.
0: We do not recommend hitting people with so, sticks, okay? with <laughs> Even though you might want to. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mum, for explaining that very confusing and sad and tricky time yeah. for those people that are listening today. And if you are listening today and you're dealing with Uh, a death in your family we send our love to you and we are sorry for your loss sending our love to all of you out there that are going through this and keep keep up to date with us check us out on tiktok instagram facebook and we'd love to have a chat with you send us send us your thought all right take care everyone and thank you mum for your time if you found this podcast helpful we'd love it if you could rate review and subscribe by doing so you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.